Hello, my name is Philippe Girard, and I am a professor in the history department at McNeese State University in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And I'm Janet Alured, also a professor in the history department at McNeese. Welcome to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS, where we explore the lives of famous women in history. A warm welcome to our francophone friends. Bienvenue à nos amis francophones. Ceci est la radio de l'Université McNeese. On the program today, music and history as we retrace the life of an African-American woman who lived her whole life in one place, the Cane River region of central Louisiana. While raising five children, she worked in the fields as a sharecropper and as a maid and a cook at a plantation called Melrose. She was the folk artist Clementine Hunter. Clementine was born and baptized in Natchitoches Parish in the tiny town of Clutcheville in 1887. She was the eldest of seven children in a French-speaking Afro-Creole family of sharecroppers. She went into the fields to pick cotton starting when she was only five years old. The movie, 12 Years a Slave, if you remember, was filmed just a few miles from where Clementine Hunter lived. In our first musical interlude, we will hear an African-American spiritual from that movie. It is called Roll, Jordan, Roll. Went down to the river Jordan, where John baptized three. When I walked the devil in hell, said Johnny baptized me. I say roll, Jordan, roll. Oh, now roll, Jordan, roll. My soul arise, heaven, Lord, for the year of Jordan, roll. Well, some say John was a Baptist. Some say John was a Jew. But I say John was a preacher because my Bible says so too. I say roll, and roll. Roll, and roll. My soul arise in heaven, Lord, for the year of roll. Hallelujah, roll, and roll. to Roll, Jordan, Roll from the movie 12 Years a Slave, which was filmed near where Clementine Hunter, the subject of today's show, lived and worked. My name is Philippe Girard, and I am here with my colleague from McNeese, Janet Andred. That's a great movie, by the way, and I highly recommend it to anyone wanting to learn more about slavery in Louisiana. Hunter, however, was never a slave. She was born in 1888, more than 20 years after slavery was abolished. Today, she's famous mostly for creating hundreds of paintings that left a record of her experiences as a field hand and as a domestic in Melrose Plantation. And what's even more amazing is that she had zero training. We refer to these kinds of painters as self-taught or folk artists. 
My question would be, how come a poor black woman with almost no formal education living on a plantation in a remote rural region of Louisiana would become such a famous artist? It had everything to do with the role of Mel Melrose Plantation, located just outside Natchitoches, where Clementine and her family worked for decades. It's a really wonderful place to visit, so I would recommend that our listeners go there and visit Louisiana while they're at it. And we'll actually start our story in that place, Melrose Plantation, which had originally been owned by the Metoyens, a wealthy family of free people of color. But then the Civil War changed all that. The plantation lay vacant for several decades until in 1899, John Hampton Harry and his wife Cammie inherited the place. And the Henrys made it a successful pecan and cotton plantation. Miss Cammie, as she was called, renovated the rundown house. After her husband died unexpectedly in 1918, the widow seized upon the idea of creating an art colony on her property. So she hauled in buildings from nearby plantation and she renovated them as cabins for artists. Some people would stay there for weeks, months, uh, or even years at a time, while Miss Cammie supported them and saw to it that black servants took care of their basic needs. And then in the late 1930s, she hired Francois Mignon to administer the place. Mignon would be a really a critical person in Clementine Hunter's career as an artist. Mm -hmm. Clementine worked for Cammie Henry as a maid and a cook and cleaned up after the artists in residence. And so she saw what the painters produced and how they produced it, but she didn't decide to start painting until she was already a grandmother many times over. Before we discuss her art, though, let's pause for another taste of Louisiana music. This selection is from her contemporary, Huddy Ledbetter, better known as Leadbelly, who was born near Shreveport in 1888. And like Clementine Hunter and millions of other Southern African Americans who farm for a living, he was born into a family of sharecroppers. Among his famous tunes are Midnight Special and Goodnight Irene, and we will hear Midnight Special. Midnight special, 
She ain't ever loved a lot on me. Well, jumpin' little Judy, she was a mighty fine girl. Well, Judy brought jumpin', it is a whole round world, and she brought it in the morning, just a wild cold day. And she brought me the news, and my wife was dead, that started me to grievin', whoopin', hollin', and cryin'. Then I begin to worry, by the great long time, let the midnight special shine your light on me. Little midnight special, yeah, the air love a lot on me. Welcome back to Your Grandma Rocks on KBYS. That was Louisiana musician Lead Belly singing Midnight Special. I'm Janet Allured. And I am Philippe Girard. Today we're exploring the life of Clementine Hunter, a poor African-American woman who became a celebrated artist in the 20th century. As we mentioned before the break, Miss Cammie, the mistress of Melrose, and Francois Mignon were key to Clementine's painting career. Clementine cleaned up after the artists. She saw them at work and became familiar with the tools of their trade. And the way Francois Mignon tells the story, Clementine Hunter came to him one evening with some twisted tubes of paint that she had found abandoned. And she told Francois Mignon that she believed she could, quote unquote, mock a picture, but only if she had some brushes and something to paint on. So he located brushes and, in lieu of a canvas, an old window shade. She had finished her painting by the next morning. When she showed it to him, he told her that he would make her famous someday if she would just continue to paint. Obviously, he was impressed. Obviously, yes. So François Mignon took her paintings to galleries and he sold them. And he used that money to help pay for her supplies. Whatever was left over, he would give to her. Clementine was like a woman possessed. She painted every evening after work. She said she could never stop because she had all these pictures in her head that she wanted to portray. Her paintings depicted scenes that were familiar to her, like picking cotton, going fishing, weddings, baptisms, funerals, uh, and even brawls at uh, honky-tonks. And that's a good segue into our next musical interlude. Uh, a brawl? Uh, no, no, the honky-tonk <laughs> All right. Let's listen to some rockabilly, which was developed primarily by Louisiana's poor white people. Although there was always a lot of uh, cross-pollination of musical styles between white and black musicians. And that style lent itself to honky-tonks because it required only a few instruments and a small backup band. One of the biggest rockabilly stars was Jerry Lee Lewis from Faraday, Louisiana, who played the piano. And we'll hear him sing and play his 1957 hit, Great Bowls of Fire. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain your love drives a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. I let you love what I thought it was funny. You came along and you moved me, honey. I've changed my mind. This love is fine. Goodness great balls of fire. Kiss the baby. Mmm. Feels good. Hold me, baby.
feels good. Hold me, baby. Well, love you like I love is good. You're fine. So kind. Got to tell this world that you might, 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 might. Ain't you trying to kill me? I quit on my thumb. Real nasty, buddy. Show is fun. Come on, baby. Run crazy. The subject of this episode is Clementine Hunter, a folk artist born several decades before Jerry Lee Lewis. So tell us a bit about Hunter's art, Philippe. Hunter's paintings illustrated how African-American people of Cane River in central Louisiana lived before modern technology. For example, in the painting Washing Day, she painted women cleaning clothes outdoors in boiling water and hanging them on an outdoor line to dry. Yep, she saw herself as a kind of historian who visually recorded scenes that she had witnessed or personally experienced growing up in Natchitoches Parish, Louisiana. And that's always interesting. Most of the art that we see in history is uh, paintings of battles or famous people, and you rarely see average folk doing everyday things. In her case, she said, quote, I'm glad the young people of today can look at my painting and see how easy and uncomplicated things were when we lived off the land. Hunter also painted lots of scenes derived from her Catholic faith, although she often took an artist's liberty with the traditional stories. For example, in her picture of the three wise men giving gifts to the Christ child, instead of gold, frankincense, and myrrh, she put in their hands a pineapple, a box of chocolates, and a birthday cake. Uh, That sounds more appealing to me than myrrh, whatever that is. She painted scenes of Mary and Jesus as well, and of the crucifixion, but her figures were always black, and that was common among other African-American folk artists too. Yeah, as we mentioned before our break, Hunter got lots of support for her work at Melrose Plantation, especially from Francois Mignon, who marketed her paintings and supplied her with the materials she needed. When she ran out of canvases and paper, she would paint on anything, like bottles, cardboard, buckets, window shades, and even an occasional ironing board. By the early 1950s, she was beginning to attract national attention. The first public exhibition of her work was at Northwestern State University in 1955. This was during the era of Jim Crow. So Hunter, as a black woman, could not attend her own show during normal operating hours, since Northwestern was for whites only. However, one of her patrons at the school arranged for her to visit the exhibition on a Sunday when the University Museum was closed. We always think of history as the good old days, but not always. And in her case, when she was 67, she was commissioned to paint a series of murals on the walls of Africa House at Melrose Plantation. Yep, and that house, which is the only house built in the African style extant in the South today, is now open to the public as part of the Melrose Plantation Museum. And one thing we might note about Clementine Hunter is that she self-censored. She never painted images of the darker sides of life. Right. We don't see any portrayals of the inequalities between blacks and whites that characterize the Jim Crow South or of the cruelty of lynching, for example. Uh, Do you think she was not aware of any of these things? Uh, She probably was aware, but maybe she was concerned about not ticking off her white patron, the mistress of Melrose, Miss Cammie. That would make sense because Cammie Henry was a champion of the lost cause of the Confederacy. Yes, and Miss Cammie was a member of the United Daughters of the Confederacy, a group devoted to valorizing white supremacy. Hunter was surely aware of all this and did not challenge her employer's views. She kept things light and happy and even a little whimsical. Our journeys through Clementine Hunter's life today, we are sampling some musical art forms at origin in Louisiana. These were selected by my colleague, Janet Arred. And nearly all indigenous American music comes out of the South. And a great deal of that came from Louisiana and the Mississippi Delta region. Most people know that New Orleans was the birthplace of jazz, but Louisiana musicians also figure prominently in the development of swamp pop, zydeco, Dixieland, blues, R&B, rock and roll, and of course gospel. 
Yeah, and in another irony of history, almost all of those people who created these new musical forms you just listed were poor, dispossessed people, exactly the opposite of Cammie Henry. In fact, elite whites like Miss Cammie typically look down on people like those. And yet their cultural contribution eventually had far more lasting significance than anything that, uh, that she did in support of the lost cause. Mm -hmm. Louis Armstrong is probably the most internationally famous jazz musician from New Orleans. But since this is a series about women, I'd like to focus on his wife, Lil, a jazz pianist, composer, singer, and band leader originally from Memphis. She shaped his music in many ways. Lil Armstrong was a pioneer for women in jazz, and yet she's almost unknown. In fact, I had never heard of her until you mentioned her to me. We'll help resurrect her reputation by listening to her hit, Just for a Thrill, recorded in 1936. This is by Louis Armstrong's wife, Lil. Just for a thrill You turn the sunshine into rain For a thrill, you gave my heart nothing but pain. Mm -hmm. To me, you were a pride and a joy, but to you, I was only a toy, a plaything, just to toss around at will. Just for a thrill You know that you did me wrong Just for a thrill You made my life just one sad song But now you're free And you're having your fun but to me, you're still the only one Just for a thrill You made my heart stand still Welcome back to KBYS, McNeese Radio. You just heard Lil Harding Armstrong, wife of Louis, in the song Just for a Thrill, dating from 1936. I am Philippe Girard. And I'm Janet Alured. We're both on the history faculty here at McNeese. 
You're listening to Your Grandma Rocks. Our subject today is Clementine Hunter, a self-taught painter. Hunter, born in the late 19th century, lived to be more than 100 years old. Wow. Not only did uh, Clementine Hunter continue to paint well into her 90s, she also produced quilts. Those are now celebrated as a form of folk art, too. Mm -hmm. Hunter's paintings received lots of attention while she was alive, but she never made much money from her work. She died on New Year's Day in 1988. And like most artists, her fame grew after she died. For example, in 2013, Robert Wilson created the opera Zinnias, uh, The Life of Clementine Hunter, which was inspired by his love of her art. Hey, you know where listeners might learn more about Clementine Hunter-Philippe? No. Where would that be? <laughs> in a book I co-edited called uh -huh. Louisiana Women, Their Lives and Times, Volume 1. Want to guess where a person might read more about Camie Henry, the mistress of Melrose? I guess that would be Louisiana Women. Yes, but the article about her is in Volume 2. That volume is edited by Mary Farmer-Kaiser and Shannon Freistack. Both volumes are published by the University of Georgia Press. I only have Volume 1, so I guess I need to buy a, a sequel now. I don't think you'll regret it. Lucinda Williams is on the cover of Volume 2. Her father, Miller Williams, was a poetry professor at McNeese in the 1950s. So that's how it happened that she was born right here in Lake Charles. Wow. It's fitting to close this program with a song from Lucinda's breakthrough album, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road. Oh, mama. 
Lake Charles native Lucinda Williams singing a song from her breakthrough album, Car, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, on KBYS, the McNeese radio station. I am Janet Allured. Et je suis Philippe Girard. Merci, and thank you for joining us. This program was funded by a Juliet Hartner grant for women in the humanities. For more information on how to help finance fellowships at McNeese, contact the foundation at 337-475-5588. This program was also sponsored by the History Department here at McNeese. To apply for a degree in history or any other field, please contact the McNeese Admissions Office. The number is 337-475-5504. And that's us signing off. Au revoir. Goodbye.